Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning Kisavoy Rishon, the first Aliyah in Parshas Kisavoy. Our topic is a fascinating one, and it is the topic of Bikurim. So let's understand what this means. Our uh, Parsha as a whole is 122 Psukim. It's a long Parsha, but our first Aliyah is rather short. It's 11 Psukim running from Perik Chavav Aleph to Yud Aleph. So let's take a look at the summary of the Aliyah and then some basic points to ponder. So we hear that when you enter into the land, which Hashem has given you, and you'll inherit it, you will take the first fruits of the land which Hashem has given you and place them in a basket. You will bring them to the base of Midash, the place that Hashem will choose, and you'll bring the coin and say to him, I have come to the land which Hashem has sworn to my ancestors. And um, the coin will take the basket and place it in the Mizbech, and the person will then recite the following proclamation, which is five sukim long, which goes as follows. Arami Ovedovi, translate that a little bit later, and he went down to Mitzrayim and became a huge nation, even though he came in few in number. The Egyptians then afflicted us and placed upon us huge burdens, and we called out to Hashem, and he heard us and saw our suffering. He took us out uh, to Egypt, uh, out of Egypt with great might and wonders, and he brought us to the land flowing with milk and honey. And now I'm here to produce or to present the first fruit of the land. You will then take the basket, it placed in front of Hashem, and rejoice with all the good, or um, with all the parts of society together with you. So it's a very beautiful um, a statement, a very beautiful description over here. Three basic questions is, what is Arami Oved Avi? What does that statement actually mean? So the way we're used to, to translating it is based on the Haggadah, based on the most the classic Mepharshim that refers to Yaakov and Lavan. Yeah, Arami um, is the Armenian who's referring to Lavan. And Avi, my father, refers to Yaakov who's being persecuted by Lavan, which is fascinating because he doesn't seem to be the most criminal of all anti-Semites in Jewish history, certainly by a long, by a long stretch, but that, that nonetheless, it is the introduction to our story. The Rashbam, however, disagrees and says that this refers to Avraham. There's no antagonist here. It's simply Arami, Oved Avi, my father, was uh, sojourning. Um, and uh, he was he was lost off and found his way. That refers to Aram, who himself was called Armenian because of the places that he lived. Now, a very basic question is is that this Aliyah actually forms the basic structure of the Haggadah. So on Pesach, what we do is we take four Pesukim out of this. Then those four Pesukim are four stages. Arrival in Egypt, um, oppression in Egypt, calling out to God and his listening, and being taken out of Egypt. Right? Those are the four stages which are used as the four psukim and they're the framework of the centerpiece of Magid. And what the Haggadah simply does is it passes out of those psukim and takes a phrase and explains it in greater context. So it uses those that structure as well. So why is this the place that the Torah looks for Magid, for the Haggadah? Surely there would be so many more relevant and direct examples of the Exodus of Egypt in Parashas, Shmois, Va'erevo and Bashalach. So there's a lot of explanations over here. So the Malbim, uh, the Malbim Zagare explains that the reason is because this is a very easy and simple summary. It summarizes the whole idea in four verses. So they serve as a superstructure into which we can add the color and the perspective. Now, another perspective is, is it's also a combination of doing and saying. In the same way as the Bikurim ceremony is actually a show and tell, so the Haggadah is supposed to also be show and tell. Here I'm presenting, here I'm demonstrating, here I'm showing, and that it's this experiential living as well. That's, uh, that's another perspective by Rabbi David Silber. 
Another perspective is, is that Devarim actually is really just like the Haggadah because Devarim is speaking to a generation that was not actually part of the Exodus. The people who are in this generation are the next generation. So the first people who did not witness the, ex the Exodus themselves necessarily or at a very young age. And that's the truth of anybody who's at the Seder. When we're at the Seder, we're talking about Yetzirah Mitzrayim, Exodus, when you did not actually witness it. So the, the Bikurim acts as the perfect example of the historical consciousness of the nation of Israel as well. Um, another perspective could be is that this immediately follows the attack of Amalek, which is fascinating because Amalek is this idea of, and there's a lot of shared language, you know, the, the idea of, of placement by Niach Lashem and the Hanach of the, of the Bikurim, Nachalal Rishtar, um, the Hava, all the, there's a lot of shared language. But in, besides the shared language, the idea is that Amalek taking advantage of the weak can is is seen as their what their emblem their hallmark character as well when it comes to uh, when it comes to the idea of bikurim bikurim is the realization that Hashem saved us a slave nation at the bottom strata of Egyptian society and that immense kindness is being contrasted to Amalek's cruelty towards the weak. Putting that in perspective is perhaps what's being seen over here, which is why the other attack of Amalek was also in, uh, which is recorded in um, in Pasha's Bishalach, or the actual attack of Amalek, is uh, contrasted with the way that Yisro sees and appreciates it. Um, also in the Haggadah, it immediately follows Vahisha Amda, so similar kind of pattern as well. Um, it is interesting to notice, there's another perspective, and that is the idea of Misar. If you go back to those two characters that Agada understands is being referred to by Arami of Edavi, referring to Yaakov, Avinu, and Lavan, it's interesting that Yaakov has a, a title in the Torah called Even Yisrael, the Rock of Israel. Even is actually an acronym for Av and Ben, or Av Ben Neched, which means father, son, grandson, or father and son. And that's the notion of continuity. Yaakov was the first of the patriarchs who had what's called Mitaso Shlema, where all of his children were in the fold, as opposed to Avram and Yitzhak, who had uh, children who kind of went out of the fold as well. So that being the case, he was called Evan Yisrael. Lavan, by contrast, is the person who is Loben. If I, I, Yaakov is Evan, Av and Ben, he is Loben. He's not a son. He's the one who answers first in front of his father. He doesn't respect his, him, his father. He has the notion of the lack of connection between generation to generation. Well, when we want to set up what it is to convey an idea of something that happened in the past, which is relevant to me now because it happened to my ancestors, we use Yaakov and Lavan as the opposite ends of the spectrum as to what tradition looks like and does not look like. And that's perhaps why this is chosen over here as well. If we move on to another idea, you notice that there's four psukim that are quoted in in the Arami in the in the Haggadah, but the fifth pasuk of that now Hashem you brought us to a land flowing with milk and honey is not quoted in the Haggadah. Why is that not the case? So uh, Lord Jonathan Sachs has a beautiful essay called the Missing Fifth, where not only is this fifth pasuk missing in the Haggadah, but there's other fifths that are missing. So for instance, there really are. Um, four kosos, four cups, but there's a fifth cup and the Gemara debates as to the significance of this, but one opinion that's found in the Rishonim is the fifth cup is the kos shel Eliyahu, which is the the, the kos of Geula. There's also four expressions of Geula, 
But um, what is interesting is there's actually a fifth expression, which is Vevesa, Hashem brought us into the land of Israel, which is missing. So all of those are, ex- are, are the expression of, we'll call it the final arrival, arrival in the land of Israel. Those are not the focus of Pesach because Pesach was only getting out, not getting in yet. It's not the, we've not reached the final um, rung of the ladder yet. It's not the final Geula that we're, that we're commemorating in Yetzirah Mitzrayim. And similarly, there are four, si- four sons, but as the Lubavitcher Rebbe famously says, there's the fifth son who's not yet at the table, who's it hasn't even made it to the Pesach Seder and that's unfortunately many 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 people in our generation who are not at the Pesach Seder and that's so to speak underlying and underscoring the what is what is missing in the Seder um, what is missing in our Pesach still which is the missing fifth um, there happens to be there's the whole procession of Bikurim is a very beautiful one the Mishnah adds in a lot of the color to this and it describes that when they bring the Bikurim up the farmers would have a ox walking in front of the wagon it had its horns would cover be covered with gold and had olive branches twisted around its horns horns and they'd play a flute in front of the procession with the basket of the Bikurim until they came to Yerushalayim and then they would stop playing the flute and they'd bring it up into Yerushalayim a very beautiful and ornate ceremony this is found in the Mishnahis and Bikurim Peregimel Mishnah Gimel um, Rav Cook says, why all, all these details? So he says that in life, a lot of times people make for themselves goals. So one type of goal that people make for themselves is, I want to become rich. I want to be successful. That's the gold of the horns. And then the other people say, well, I'm, I want to be strong. I want to be um, a healthy person. I want to be a person. I want to look after my body, my material, um, and uh, that, my physique. That is, the, that, that is expressed by the ox. The ox is what's called might. And then those people say, well, I'll make it my life. I don't want to be, uh, richness is not relevant to me and my physique is not relevant to me, but my intellect is. And I want to study and be wise and become an, become a professor and, and have a PhD and be a lecturer. And that's, so to speak, represented by the olive branch. Olive always be referring to the olives, the, the, the menorah, so to speak, the idea of wisdom, of light, illumination. And so what Rav, Rav Kook points out is that when in his commentary on the Mishnah Simbikurim in Ein Ayah, he says that in life we make for ourselves these goals, but those goals can go up and down. Meaning to say the, the, the Khalil, the flute, which is played, is played at two times in the Jewish lifestyle cycle. It's played at a Simcha and it's played at a funeral, actually, interesting, in the times of the Gomorrah. Which means to say that all of these ideals can, can lead us to, you know, very high and very low places in life. Until we arrive in Yerushalayim, when we arrive, realize that all these values are wonderful values and they can be used for great things, but they need to be guided by the Torah itself. When you arrive in Yerushalayim, the Khalil, the flute, which uh, introduces this level of, um, of flux, of volatility in all of these three values disappears because when Torah is leading and guiding, then yes, one's physical success, one's material success, one's intellectual success can all fall into place if the starting point is a real point, not just a, we'll call it relative successful um, destination, but an objective falling into place, an objective standards of the Torah, that would be where it is successful. That's perhaps part of the ceremony of the Bikurim. With as we close, in the meantime, have a wonderful, meaningful